This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. Welcome to Talking Halos, this is Derek C. Paul with John Crane, and well, we're here to look back on this Minnesota Twins three-game demolition of our Los Angeles Angels. Man, I'm going to tell you, it was brutal. John, how you doing, bud? How about that Tommy LaStella? I'm telling you. <laughs> no positive to start out there. That's not too shabby. That's not too shabby at all. Um, you know, good for Tommy, by the way. Good for Tommy. Also on the show today, we have the Orange County Reds' Jeff Fletcher. He'll be on the second part of the show. And I think it right now especially, it'll be a good time to sit back and maybe hear him out and some of his thoughts because it may add some clarity as to where the Angels are going right now and what their future is. Um, if you are a standard fan, this was ugly to watch. Game one of the series, Angels lose 3-1. to one. We we have a big scare with Otani and really Simba Simba Simmons going out and that that one hurt Simmons will be out for who knows nine ten eleven twelve weeks we don't know something like that it, that's a tough loss uh, we just let's go ahead and, and throw that out there we know it's gonna be tough it's, you can't really fix that offense and defense combined what you're gonna miss but we you know prospects. Get a chance to come up and play. That's that, that's the the best you're going to get, right? That's the best, right? Yeah, we're bringing up some bringing up some young some of the guys that are uh, you know see see how ready they are. Getting them some some time in the in the big show. So game two, Angels lose eight three. It was actually the Angels led at one point three nothing. The uh, top of the sixth inning, the Angels uh, give up their first run. Well, Trevor Kidd gives up his first run. Or if Polanco doubles the right, Max Kepler scores, and then they, and then Osman strikes again. He takes out Cahill, um, giving him some time to think about it. I'm actually okay with the move, considering that at that point Cahill had thrown 90 pitches. Some people were upset about that, but after after that, the pitching falls apart. Angels lose 8-3. Hitting 
in this series, so the first two games was was not good at either. But then today, the big one, the, to avoid the sweep, the Angels came in there, and, uh, well, this was a, a total, complete train wreck. And a 16-7 loss, it was actually worse than that at one point. It was a, it was, what, 15-2 at one point? 16-3, 15-2? We scored five in the ninth. Yeah. So it to was, make it look prettier. So we scored five in the ninth. So make it, yeah, 16 to two. 16 to two at one point. 16 the dark night strikes ninth. again. The dark night strikes again. I really kind of wanted to zero in on, on uh, two things here. I don't, I'm not mad at Cahill. If you're looking at, if you're Al Smith and you're looking, trying to hold this lead and that last out in the fifth inning got drilled, the, the pitch was drilled. And they made a nice play on it, but it was still still hit hard. I can I don't blame Alsmith for saying, okay, he gave that run here. Let's go ahead and get him out. He's got ninety pitches thrown. Let's go bring in the guy whose ERA is in the twos and try and put this away. I get it. The 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 players just didn't come through. The pitching didn't come through. Now today, Matt Harvey comes in. You and I have talked about this. We need that guy to come in and stop the bleeding. Right? That's who you need. And you would hope that Matt Harvey could be that guy. He used to be that guy. And instead, Matt Harvey gets shelled. How bad did he get shelled? Well, he got shelled for in two and two-thirds innings, seven hits, eight earned runs, gives up four home runs. Awful. Awful. By the way, the rest of the staff. 7.5 ERA. 7.5 ERA right now. uh, To a 7.5 ERA. The rest of the pitching staff. Not much better. Actually, in some cases, worse. No Ramirez, any two-thirds, four hits, five earned runs, two home runs allowed. Cody Allen, an inning and a third, gives up two earned runs, gives up two home runs. Okay? Now, Jared Walsh, to me, gets a pass. He makes his Major League Baseball pitching debut, basically saving the rest of the bullpen arms is what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, for that one, he's, he's not really ready to pitch the majors yet. They had him come in and throw an inning just because... Save, save the bullpen. He gave a run as well. I don't blame him for that one. I'm no, I don't see anybody in the staff who would blame him for that one. So, overall, pitching was horrid in this series, especially in the, in the last two games. Once they took out Trevor Cahill, again, I'm not mad. I know some people were. I'm not mad about it. You're doing the math. or doing the, the whole odds here. I think in that case, he made the right decision, even though it's frustrating. You wish your guy could go longer. But... Um, on the bright side, Lasell gets a, a grand slam today. That's nice. Again, Jared Walsh gets his first pitch, you know, his first inning pitched. Dustin Garneau makes his league debut. Good one got a home run. Yeah, good one got a home run. So we're looking for pauses here. But, you know, we, we took some hits on Twitter today, John, because there yeah, were some t- folks. Matt Harvey was trending. Pretty heavily. <laughs> yeah, trending. Halos. He was trending but, on Talking Halos. Talking about we, I mean, as in our podcast, we took some hits. Today you happen yes. to decide you want to go out there and, and get in a little get a little scruff with some of the fans. I'm not sure why you do that, but hey, I'll throw you under the bus here, big jerk. Because I'm big a mean, fan. How dare you? I'm a fan. A fan. Well, here's my question. Here's my my honest question, John. Is and it because where does emotion come into play with being a fan versus logic? Because that's where you and I are, right? I'm more the logical guy when it comes to talking this stuff through. You're more emotion based, and and your 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 discussion with those guys was obviously you, you're trying to make a point, and you're trying to be encouraging, and and those guys are 
I mean, they're frustrated. They're, these are frustrated fans. I thought you told me you didn't get fans like this with the Angels, huh? Well, see, here's the thing. You know, I <clears throat> I live in L.A., and, and I, I laugh every time I hear this on the radio. I hear a Laker fan say, I've been a Laker fan for 30 years, the good times and the bad. I've stuck with them. Oh, yeah, those three three years you you weren't competitive you know i mean it's 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 comical to me so it's like but with the angels if you're a fan okay again we 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 share the city with a, a team that hasn't won a world series in 31 years i know they've been into two in the last couple of years but they still haven't won one um if you're a fan you you don't say i'm i'm not supporting the team until they win that's that just is illogical to me that you say, I'm not going to support a team until they win. And to say that we're not willing to spend money or make moves or even call out um, um, Billy Epler. I mean, as I saw him get called out, you know, what, what is Epler doing? This person listed off a, uh, several names on Twitter today saying, you know, why, why did we sign these people? Uh, and it was listed. And every single person they listed was a one-year contract going back to, the plan that we call, I'll commonly refer to it as. So, I mean, you know, if you're, we, if you're frustrated by these one-year contracts, I, I just don't, you know, and, and, and you're saying I'm not going to support the team, I just don't understand how you can really honestly call yourself a fan. Well, just the devil's advocate, what, what are you saying? I mean, what are you really saying, though, when it comes about being a fan? What am I, I mean, saying? I'm because, saying... Well, that, hold on. Let me finish the thought. In terms of... Being a fan, are you saying that you have to spend money and go to games to support the team? Can I clarify yourself here? No, I'm not saying that. If you didn't go to games, like I, you know, I, I, we're going to rehash this whole thing. You know, I think I, I put on there. You know, I was a little being being a little snarky, but I said, you know, I, I haven't watched the Star Wars movies. I'm, I'm not a Star Wars guy. But I don't go on screaming that I'm not going to support, you know, I'm not going to spend the money on, on start, you know, it's like, why do you even got to go to my to me? Yeah. I mean, if you live here locally and you have money and you enjoy going to baseball games, there are a lot worse things you can do than good to go to an angel game, whether they're winning or they're losing. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be frustrating to watch. A, but and I think you, you, I, you saw another remark that I made about, you know, OK, so if we were up 15 to two, how, how many fans would leave at the seventh inning? Um, so I'm kind of like a little annoyed at these people that call themselves fans. And, you know, it's it's if you're not going to support the team through the good and the bad, I don't I, I just question your fandom. Well, I'm just kind of curious of the, in terms of. Define supporting the team, or you, you know, in terms of the supporting team is spending money on tickets. Is it, is it buying clothing? Is it uh, watching a game on TV instead? Is it where do you kind of look at it? And I'm going somewhere <laughs> with this. Just trust me. If you don't regularly attend games, then obviously saying you're not going to go to games is you know. However, you support the team right now, you're going to do it less than. I just then yeah that's what I'm I'm I guess I'm questioning if if you can't afford to go to games and it's not in your budget and you watch them on TV that's fine I'm not saying you have to give the t- the the team money but to 
to say I'm not going to spend any money on this this you know this team until they and they basically implying until Billy Epler and and they do something about this team. Well, who says they're not doing something about this team? As Maria Torres, you know, was you know, it's who says they're not doing something but, about this team? But you are you're thinking differently, John, than other people are. You, it's just it's just to me a difference of opinion. You, you're you're viewing it as look, this is horrid to watch but i i understand the vision i see where they're going i need to suck it up for now okay the and other folks don't quite catch on to the same vision but really to me what it comes down to though is the you know, how, I don't know how we've been coming back to economics of late but he, what he's making is an economic argument it's supply and demand if you are being supplied with a bad product are you going to buy more of it or less of it? Well, that's fine. If you again, I just uh, no. I mean, I'm still going to go to the same amount of games. Well, hey, I, that, I mean, that's fine. I go I'm game when I want to go. I'm going to go Friday. Friday, they're giving away yeah. a look. You know, that's why yeah, they give yeah. promotions. They make it fun. There's other things to do than just to. There's so many. Like I said, there's so many. Uh, sports that don't win being a clipper fan you know they haven't won anything but people still <laughs> you don't yeah, have but, any, but what i'm saying here stations i'm talking on a i'm not talking on a micro level I'm talking on, on a macro level okay mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm talking on an over because there there's different levels of fan right there are the diehards who will spend no matter what right they, they're gonna go they love the product they don't care if it stinks or not they just last their team and they're gonna go if they have the money they're gonna spend it Okay, then there are the pretty close diehards, but you know they can be discouraged. There's the casual, the, there's the Johnny Come Latelys, the bandwagoners. There's different levels of, of fans, right? And there's, I'm sure there's some I haven't even mentioned yet. I think it's really hard. I think we have to be careful when we judge somebody's uh, fandom on based on what they do. I would say this. I would say listen to those fans. Uh, let me use an example. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Indians in the 1990s? You mean with Charlie Sheen? And no, no. Berenger? <laughs> yeah, no, no. that was an amazing, that was an amazing time. No, I'm talking about the Indians from 1994 <laughs> to like 2000. Albert Bell? Albert Bell? Is that what you're yeah, referring yeah, to? Yeah, okay. Now, yes. The, the the field there was once called the town was called Jacobs Field, okay, mm-hmm. and they sold out every single game at Jacobs Field from like 1994 to what 2002 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was a bananas record, dude, a crazy record. And now, years later, now you're lucky to get 15,000 people there at the ballpark. Well, why? What happened? The team is still competitive. Well, why? They, they got an owner who took the attitude of, this is basically what he said, I'm paraphrasing him, but he the quote I'm, I'm going to give right now is he said, he said something along the lines of, if, well, I am not going to put money in this team until the fans show up. That is absolutely ridiculous. And it ticked off the fans even more. And he did the same thing in the, this offseason. Instead of getting better, when they already had a good team, they let several quality guys go, and now they have no depth which has enabled Minnesota to step in there. My point is this. Are those Indians fans all of a sudden, the ones who filled those seats from 1994 to 2002, 
are are they all of a sudden gone? They they no longer exist, and they're just a bunch of horrible fans now. Or did the organization take certain actions to tick them off to where they didn't want to come back? Well, I'm not sure that <clears throat> where you're going with this because we have the highest paid player in sports, I believe, I, on our I team, right? I understand, but and people, and we also have another guy who's way overpaid on our team, but is is pretty high. I mean, it's uh, spending is not a problem; it's but, misspending. But we have, but you know, and I want to tell you, you have increased my baseball IQ tremendously. <laughs> Just doing but, this. But, when, but John, but John I, 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 I cannot get away from the subject. If you tell me you're not getting my point, I want you to make sure I get my point here. Because my point is this. Is if your ownership takes actions to turn you off, then you're going to go, you're, you're not going to spend the money. Now, your ownership or your management team. The Angels, from their point of view, Billy Epler, by signing all those guys, took actions that turned them off from wanting to see this team. And the actions of management before Billy Epler, all those bad signings that didn't pan out and that buried their payroll. Do you get my point now? I do, but see, that's just a difference of, of human beings because as I was saying, as I was beginning to say, is you, you've increased my baseball IQ tremendously. And I, I, I'm doing a count here, and it looks like we have 26 one-year contracts on our roster right now. But I, And I know that because of you. You're the one who pointed out all the one-year contracts that we have So and, and sold me on this plan that we have. But even if I didn't know any of this stuff, I wouldn't be saying I'm not going to a game. I would continue going to games. I enjoy going to games. I enjoy going to angel games. So I guess I'm just that there's a different definition of fan in my book because I, you know, I, I that's not going to change the amount of games I go to. I don't um, I want them to win. But if they don't, so be it. At least I had a good time at the ballpark. Well, yeah, but you your point of view on it, though, is just going to be different from other people. And every, it's, oh, I hate how a lot of times we treat the sports fan as, as being a hive mind. Like every sportsman has the same priority, and we all think the same. We're all fanatics, so we're going to pay this, or we're not going to do this, or we are going to do this. Every fan has their own priorities. I think we have to be careful with that, in that we you don't want to paint people into a box. I don't blame Angels fans for saying, you know what? I'm not happy with the direction of the team right now. I'm not happy with what they're doing. My voice is in my dollar bills, so I'm not spending it right now. I don't blame them for that. What I would blame them if, what I would blame them on though, is if they don't take the time to really dig deep and look at the numbers and look at the, the plans and try and really talk about those things. Because if you're a fan and you love this team, then you really want to get in there. What's the solution? The solution isn't if you look need if you look deeper at Billy Epler. What they're doing basically is they're tolerating a bunch of, like you said, a bunch of one-year call contracts to get a us through. Bunch. A, a bunch. bunch. A and bunch. It, it not, and it was never going to be that everyone was going to work, right? Uh-huh. Not everyone was going to work. So you tolerate that, and you work hard to develop. And by the way, Griffin King developed pretty quickly, right? It was about, what, a year and a half? Mm-hmm. So that's what you're banking on. Basically, what I'm saying is, is I get being frustrated. I get being upset. But while you're getting frustrated and upset, 
See if you can look at the bigger picture other than the here and the now. Is there a bigger picture? And if you, despite the fact that you can't, despite the fact that you're being told there's a bigger picture, if you and all the research you do and all the, the reading you do and all the listening to podcasts like ours and other people's and interviews that we do, if you still can't find the big picture, then maybe you're right. Maybe there is no big picture, and you sh- and you're totally justified in everything you're saying. That's my only point. Is you, if you're not putting money in the team because they really don't care about winning, and they're just saying screw this crap, then I don't blame you. I happen to believe they care. I think they're taking the long road. I think they are making sure this team is not vi- not just viable for one season, but for several. And the interview we have coming up with Jeff to me confirms that. We have six contracts from my account here that are beyond one year. Six. Trout, Pujols, Upton, Simmons, Cozart, and Cole Calhoun. Those are the only contracts that are beyond this season. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, again, I, and, but, and see, that, and that's where, this is where you have enlightened me on, and, and I'm totally into, I, I believe Epler does have a plan, but... Um, but you know you have to you have to know that so you have to learn that stuff you have to put the time in and invest it. But even when I didn't put the time in and invest it, I still I still enjoyed seeing my angels collecting my bobbleheads, going to my games, you know, try, sure. gr- screaming at screaming at players, trying to get pictures. You know, I that, I just uh, I think that that's what being a fan is. Win or lose, you stick you stick to them unless something really grotesquely you know grotesque happens uh, that changes your. Opinion, and but. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I'm just saying that economically speaking, you know, the supply and demand still sits. And if if the and if the angels aren't meeting that supply, that demand, right? They're, if they are are putting out poor product, then they deserve to take the heat. And what I mean by that is, all these years of mismanaging the payroll and the roster is it's catching up to them, and fans are starting to get ticked. I think you're right. I, th- I think Angels fans don't look for a World Series winner every year. They're not thinking it's going to be every single year this team is going to go out there and compete for a title. But they do want to see a a front office that's competent. And I think they've basically wasted their capital with the fans over years of poor decisions. And Billy Upler's paying the price for it. Do I think it's really Billy Upler's fault? No, I think he's trying to fix it. I think he's on the right path to fixing it. But we need to see fruit sooner rather than later. I, I don't think we expect a winner every year. I think we just want to have somebody sent off to the cornfield once in a while. Oh, okay. But by the way, we want somebody, we want somebody to want to see somebody sent down or saw are you know, taken out of the roster, or taken out of the rotation and, and to acknowledge to us that this person is doing is, a horrible job, and why are we keep sending them out there? Um, you know, and I started following Noe Ramirez, and look, it's it, it hasn't been working with my Twitter follow. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm really trying, I'm stretching out here. Well, I'm really trying to expand my base. And and we, I think those guys deserve to be held accountable too. They're picking on the front office and. You know, basically make them out to be incompetent. Well, the players are the ones in the field. And when these guys were brought in, they were brought in based on their performance of the past. 
Matt Harvey, there's just no excuse. We need to hold, you know, at least be honest and say in terms of Matt Harvey, there is no excuse. And I, I actually saw Maria Torres had an article for the LA Times say about it after the game, and, and Matt Harvey was a man about it and took responsibility and owned it. And I hope that helps him in the future. But there is no excuse for his performance today. His pitch location was awful. Uh, I mean, awful. Awful. <laughs> Let's stress that out. Okay. Um, no Ramirez is awful. Cole Calhoun. How many guys did Cole Calhoun leave on base today? They hold the players accountable too. Don't just hold the the uh, the management accountable as if they you know are the incompetent ones all the time, and the players just get away with their murder. The players need to perform. They're paid to perform, and they aren't performing up to what they're capable of. Matt Harvey is capable of more than that. So whatever is wrong in his mechanics, fine. Maybe his stuff just wasn't there today. The problem is his stuff hasn't been there most of this year. Well, you can hold you can hold management, and you can even hold maybe Epler a little bit accountable when we keep running the same people out there. You know, like last year, I, as much as I like Sosha, again, I I held him accountable for part of it, like pulling people early when they weren't in trouble. This year, we've been in trouble. It's been worthy of pulling people before the fifth inning because we had to. I don't necessarily thought that that was the case all all last year. And just to revisit, I was just perusing Twitter here, you know, and one one gentleman, you know, that I kind of got in, you know, he said that that this is the most embarrassing time of our franchise history. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. It is a stretch. I mean, all the years we've watched the Angels, this is the worst. No, listen, I, 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 we've seen some worse years. The strike said, year was a bad year. He said this includes teams of the 70s and 90s. I mean, he's going all the way back to yeah, franchise inception saying this is the worst team worst time worst time worst of times it's the and worst I times. will politely <laughs> disagree with him and say this i i remember the angels of the 94 angels that was a bad team i remember the the 88 angels 88 87 angels those weren't, those weren't very good teams there were several not very good angels teams out there and for the most part i, I think we're pretty fortunate overall if you go back to 1994 to now, this team has pretty much always been competitive. They've never they've never been like a. When was the last time you had an Angels team lose 100 games, or even 95 games? Oh, I, I they've been not. competitive. No, no, they've been competitive. You've never seen this team be horrible in the last 25 years. It's but we've been out of it a little bit, and that's when you go to the game and they do the pregame montage that is so exciting to watch with the calling all angels and and you see how many division titles we won and and you know they go with the championship and all the divisional titles and we're a little far away from that, but we're not as far as a lot of teams still in the major leagues right now. So, but what I'm saying is, is when we're talking about bad baseball, it's not like this team right now is is fifteen and thirty five. They're 22 and 27. It's not good. They, they're pitching. The starting pitching is awful. Their hitting is streaky. Their feelings okay. And the bullpen all of a sudden is falling apart. Okay, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of problems here. And the players deserve to be called accountable for that. And you know what? Management those one-year deals, some of them are flopping. Okay, so hold them accountable for it. But it doesn't mean the long-term vision is still wrong. It, you're just not going to see it. It, it. Maybe it will be wrong. Maybe the decisions they're making within the farm system will fall apart and it'll be a complete train wreck. But you know what? As evidenced by some of the guys we've seen come up this year, I disagree. I, I think it's on the right path. 
I'm I'm preaching for now patience. For now. Now, two years down the road, this is still a train wreck, then mutiny. <laughs> but I agree, because seeing as 26 of them are on one-year contracts, if two years down the road we still have this a, a roster that resembles this roster, and it's this dysfunctional, then yeah, then that's on yeah, then that's on them. But I've seen nothing from the front office or Epler that indicated to me anything. But um, they're working towards accomplishing something here. Sure, and that takes us, I think, now to our interview with Jeff Fletcher because Jeff Fletcher, we talked to him before this game. We talk, I actually talked to him last night, and it's kind of fitting in terms of the timing of this game that I, I had this conversation with him. So. I think it, it, that's a great way to end the show today. Before we get there, folks, we do want to let you know, hey, we're a New Angels podcast. We're doing the best we can. If you go back through now through our log of guests already, I'm working hard. John's working hard to get some great guests for you. So come check us out. All right? You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spreaker, Spotify. We're pretty much anywhere a podcast can be found right now, okay? We also, if you, if you could, that includes, hey, a five-star review we greatly appreciate it. If you want us to earn that five-star review, if you want us to improve somewhere, that's cool. Hey, email us, talkinghalos at gmail.com, and let us know your feedback. We really appreciate some feedback. And if you're a new listener and you're enjoying the show, here's our, our audience call-out for the day. Hey, send a text, please, to a fellow Angels fan and let them know about our podcast. It would mean the world to us, and hopefully they enjoy the show. Our numbers have been going up. I'm pretty happy with our numbers, actually, and... It's it's a, a neat way to go. All right, and I think we might actually be getting a call in on our, our line for. We'll use it for our next podcast, but get a call in there, and I think we'll see what people have to say. All right, one more thing: if you want to sponsor us, reach out to us talkinghalos at gmail dot com. If you like what we're doing, help us keep the lights on here and leave a voicemail as well at six five seven six 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 five four five three. Matter of fact, if you ever folks want to leave some feedback in terms of questions you want us to answer on the show or just want to vent a little bit, if it's clear, because sometimes people talk so fast it's not clear, and you leave your name, leave us that voicemail, 657-666-5453, and we'll answer your question on air. We'll talk about what you want to talk about on air. Okay, again, 657-666-5453. Okay, without further ado, here's Jeff Fletcher from the Orange County Register. Thankfully came on. Check it out. Here's our interview. All right, folks, I'm here with Jeff Fletcher from the Orange County Register. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty stinking good for a night with a rain out. I think in some ways the Angels probably needed it, so um, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so speaking of which, Jeff, in 30-plus years of watching Angels baseball, I can count on one hand how many rainouts I've seen in Anaheim. How many can you remember covering the team? Uh, well, I started covering the team in 2013, and they had a rain out in 2015, so... Only one. So this is at number, home. This is number yeah. two. This is number two. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, just getting a little more serious though. Uh, the other night we saw Shoyatani and Anderson Simmons suffer injuries in the same inning. We know Shoyatani's all right, but Simmons is going to be out for a while. How confident are the Angels that they will be at least able to somewhat fill that gap offensively and defensively for the next couple of months? Well, I mean, they're obviously going to take a hit. They're not going to get the production on either side of the ball without him. But, you know, the, the thing is, even if he's out for, say, nine or ten weeks, uh, which is probably like the shorter end of it, but Simmons healed faster in his previous injury, so let's say it could be nine or ten weeks. 
you can kind of hang on with with the guys you got if you you know you kind of get lucky and you know maybe David Fletcher is a hot streak in somewhere and defensively probably over just that span of a you know two months uh, it's probably going to lose a whole lot. So I think that they could probably still hang around there. It probably didn't dramatically change their chances of making the playoffs, which I think were kind of slim to begin with. So now they're a little slimmer, but it certainly wasn't a, a dramatic shift where they like looked like a playoff team and now they don't look like a playoff team. So, you know, it, it, it hurt them, you know, probably 3%. That's kind of where I was going next. Do the angels actually have enough talent to pull things together and maybe make a run for a wild card spot? Or are they, or are they more like a year or so away? I think they could definitely make a run at it this year, uh, but they do need some things to go right. They need to, you know, get Andrew Heaney back and have him pitch well. They need to have the other starters, you know, Cahill and Harvey and Skaggs need to, to pitch better. Uh, they need to keep the offense going. You know, obviously they're like some guys like Goodwin and Lestella have probably been much better than anybody expected. You know, they need to hang on and continue doing that, at least at some level. They need to get Justin up and back. So they got to have a lot of things go right, but it, it's certainly possible they still could find themselves, you know, winning 87, 88 games if things go right. And if things go wrong with some of the other teams, you know, the Red Sox off to a slow start. Uh, the Twins are, and Rays are both probably playing better than anybody expected, so they might come back down to earth. So uh, I think they can contend if they get some breaks. It's still going to be tough for them to make the playoffs, but, you know, if all you want is you want to have a, a baseball season where you're engaged the whole year and you have a chance, I think they're certainly capable of that. So this is more than the dumb and dumber, you know, the, so there's there's a chance, a chance, there's a little, but still, you know, it's not looking too hot. I, I, I do want to ask about this, though, just kind of staying on the lines, because we over here, we had this debate over the weekend, and it's something we're seeing more and more among Angel fans that we interact with, is Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Cutchell even an option for the Angels in June or July? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't rule it out entirely, but uh, I think that it depends on what those players want, because when, when you know we talked about the Angels, chances of making the playoffs are mm. pretty slim, so even if you had Dallas Keuchel, now what are their chances of making the playoffs? And if you're talking about getting him for half a season, he's going to start, what, like 17 games? So how much better is that going to make your team? So is it worth spending, you know, whatever $10 million that he would want to go from having a 10% chance to make the playoffs to having a 12% chance of making the playoffs? You know, maybe not. Uh, and, and if you start to get involved with like a longer term deal where you're going to have him next year too, then you start to look at a lot more money and then you really have to say, well, how good is he going to be? He's 31 years old. He's kind of declined a little bit. His velocity is not that great. So, I mean, that's the reason he's not signed right now, is that basically everybody in baseball views him as sort of risky and declining, and he wants to be paid as if he's not. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't say absolutely not, but I would be surprised if they signed either one of those guys. Kind of fall up on that, because this is actually where I was going, the kind of the root of the whole thing, is there seems to be this belief amongst some fans that the Angels have money to burn because Artie's been willing to spend money in the past and that they have roughly, they're roughly about $45 million below the luxury tax threshold that the Angels should spend the money. And uh, I'm not so sure about that. I'm, I'm thinking money doesn't grow on trees. You want to be responsible and you want to save money sometimes to put away from when you are going to spend. Do you agree or disagree with the argument that the Angels should spend? And really, what's the 
organization stands on spending money for players? Well, for first of all, the luxury tax threshold is not the Angels' budget. It's The Angels' budget is determined by how much money they're willing to spend, which is determined by how much money they make. The luxury tax threshold is set by a third party that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the Angels' finances. So you can't really hold it to them and say they should be spending up to this. No, other teams aren't. There's maybe three teams that spend over that amount of money. So, what you know, where the Cincinnati Reds certainly aren't spending up to the luxury tax. The the Marlins aren't. The Braves aren't. You know, 25 teams are not. So it's sort of silly to have this uh, expectation that the Angels should. Uh, and second of all, I think that when you look at, at free agency in general, guys who are free agents are sort of, by definition, going to be overpaid because you're paying them for what they already did. You're going to be paying them at an age when they're going to be declining. So it's not a very good value you're going to get for free agents. Now, that's okay if you're at a point with your team where you have a really strong core, and maybe if you get one really good free agent and he can be the difference over the next two years of whether you have a chance to win the World Series or not. That's worth it. It's worth it to sign a guy for five years, $100 million, if like in the next two years he could help you win the World Series even if you're going to kind of have to wear it for the last three. But the spot where the Angels are, you know, they were, how many, 22 games behind the Astros last year? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what free agent moves were they going to sign that was going to close a 22-game gap on the Astros? There were none. So basically what they did is they said, let's wait until next year when the Astros are going to be a little older, Garrett Cole could be gone, Justin Verlander's going to be a year older, the Angels might have Griffin Canning, Joe Adele, Jose Suarez, uh, Luis Rodrigo, if all these guys are filling in regular everyday spots, making $500,000, then you have a lot more, you have less holes and more money to fill those other gaps. And plus the team ahead of you might have slipped a little bit. So I think that's kind of the way they look at it, is that you want to spend your free agent money when you can get the most for it. And I just think this really wasn't the winner for that. So when you're looking at that, and by the way, the Angels are $25 million above the league average for salary. So it's not like the Angels are cheap or anything. Uh, but when I'm looking at I think the, they're actually, they're about 8th or ninth in all of baseball yeah, or in general, which is probably, considering their market size, is probably right where they should be. I mean, it, it, it's not, I think sometimes with the impression the Angels are cheap, they're not. They just signed Mike Trout to this banana, bananas deal. They're already paying Albert Pujols nearly $29 million this year. And and by the way, when you're talking about those free agent contracts and paying for players that they that have already for what they've done, is is that the definition of Albert Pujols at this point? And how much can he still give this team? Exactly, uh, Albert Pujols should be. Everybody should look at a picture of Albert Pujols when you talk about free agent spending. Uh, you know, right now, you know, he he's what he gives you is limited. I think he's actually performing better than people expected right now, but that's still. Nowhere near a $28 million player, which is what they're paying him, I think. So, uh, you know, I think if Pools is, if he can have about a 770 OPS and uh, drive runs in and play first base okay uh, and stay healthy enough to, to play, then I think that's probably a win for the Angels. One of the things we've been debating here is is how long do we think he'll play? Will he try and play out the full remainder of three years on his contract, or is retirement coming soon? What what are you getting a feel for him? Uh, I would find it hard to believe that he's actually going to be an active player through the end of the 2021 season. 
that seemed a really long way away. And I think that uh, we're going to learn a lot more over the last four months of the season because, you know, with Otani, that's going to take the DH bats. So Pujols mm-hmm. is going to have to play first base a lot, which is not going to be great on his body, or he's going to be on the bench, which is not going to be great for his ego. So I think those two factors together might change the way he looks at things. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, uh, maybe this winter, you know, he and the Angels come to some sort of agreement where, you know, he's going to get all of his money, first of all. He's not going to, like, retire and walk away from the money. Or they come to some agreement where, you know, they, they give him the rest of his money and he walks away. Uh, I don't know if that surprise me. Uh, it would surprise me if he plays three more years. I mean, maybe maybe the, the end doesn't come this winter. Maybe it comes next season. Who knows? But just three years is a long time to go, especially if, uh, if Shohei Otani is going to be taking all the DH bats for all that time. Uh, I just don't see how Albert Pujols can, can play first base for three three years. And I don't see how they can have him hitting 230 and 240 in the lineup and, and justified either, to be honest. Well, yeah. you know, the Major League batting average is about 245 right now. So don't uh, don't judge him necessarily solely by his batting average anymore. Well, I'm, I'm not told that. I'm just thinking along the lines like you're talking about at-bats for DHs, first base ability, right. and then average together. I'm just looking long-term, like, how can you keep justifying that? But then yeah. I also look at the field and say, this guy, can he he does provide leadership for a lot of these guys, and so it's kind of a, what's he really worth this point? You know, And at age 42 is when that contract's up. I'm just thinking, when when is the time? Yeah, they also have to have somebody better. True. So, and right now, obviously, Justin Bohr was not. Uh, Matt Theist, they don't think, is ready right now. Uh, Jared Walsh just got to the big league. So you've got to have... A better alternative, and uh, at the moment they don't. So let's see what happens. Let's see if you know as the season goes on and Pools plays a lot of first base. Maybe he goes on the, the injured list at some point, and then Matt Theis comes up and is great for a month. You know that could change the equation. You know who knows. Well, you mentioned too a lot. You've mentioned several prospects just in about fifteen minutes of a conversation here. And that has me thinking long-term in, in terms of what would the Angels' plan be. We've been debating the Angels' plan for a while now. What do you believe is the Angels' timeline for competing for a World Series title again? Uh, I think that they feel like they can be very good next year. Now, you know, I, I think they feel like they could have a chance to win the division next year. And if you win the division, then you obviously you've got a shot to win the World Series. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot to happen between now and then. We're going to see what happens over the winter and, you know, see what happens with the rest of these prospects. You just, you can't really go that far into the future. I mean, say Griffin Canning is great the rest of the year, and they signed Garrett Cole. And then you've got Griffin Canning, Garrett Cole, Joe Otani, and Skaggs and Heaney as your five-man rotation. And that could be pretty good. You know, and say Buttry continues to be, you know, Buttry and Robles still are really good. And then all of a sudden you have all these pieces that look great. So, but you just don't know because there's still a long way to go between now and then. But I think they feel like with the young players they have and the money they have and sort of where the Astros are in their window, uh, I think they feel like next year they they should be able to have a, a chance to compete to win the division. So one thing I didn't hear you say there was Matt Harvey. Is he really just kind of a one-year and done at this point, or or is, are there thoughts that he may, if he turns things around, stick with the team next year? Uh, well, I think he's going to do a one-year deal. I don't think that they had any intention of keeping him beyond one year. I think he's 
sort of a band-aid, you know, like Canning and Suarez and, and Otani are all guys that they probably figure would be prominent on their pitching depth chart in 2020. So, uh, and they're still going to have Skagahini, obviously, those years. So I think Kale and Harvey are both just pretty much one-year guys. All right, so here are your last question, and, and this has really been kind of coming up of late. What are you hearing about the performance of, of Brad Osmus as manager? And I, I'm not saying I have an issue with him. I've been hearing some things um, just within normal disgruntled fan stuff. But I was also curious about him taking Cahill out of the game Tuesday. What is Osmus' philosophy on managing pitching staff for what you can tell? Uh, well, first of all, I'll just say that I think the manager has very, very small impact on the game. I think it's the players. Uh, I think he's a pretty firm believer in platoons, obviously, and uh, the righty-lefty things. Uh, you know, maybe it's too much. Who knows? It's probably not a huge difference either way. And he's a pretty firm believer on uh, pulling the starters sooner rather than later. You know, the third time through the lineup is sort of a thing that he really doesn't like to mess with. And, and if you start to see signs of you know, on Cahill the other night, the, the last out, I think, of the fifth inning was a rocket about a 1,000 miles an hour. And on the second out of the sixth inning, he got a double. And he was at 90 pitches, and he was coming the third time through the lineup against a whole bunch of left-handed hitters. Mm-hmm. So I think all those things together probably told him, you know, that's enough. Now, he, he could have waited, and maybe Cahill gives up two more hits, you know. So I think he'd just rather pull a starter early than leave him out too long, especially the way the Angels' bullpen has pitched. I mean, he took out a guy with an ERA of six and brought in a guy with an ERA of, like, 250, and people are mad about it. So Yeah, sometimes you know. it doesn't work, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're looking at all the stats, and you got, well, this guy's got a 250 ERA and strikes out, like, 12 batters per nine innings, and this other guy has not really pitched a good game in a long time, you know, yeah, I think you take your, you cash out your chips with Cahill at that point. And uh, you figure that, you know, Justin Anderson has been really good. And, you know, it didn't work. But that's, that's the players do it, you know, not the manager. Well, I mean, sometimes they just – sometimes the best intentions just don't happen the way. And I really have – I think what's been neat about this year with Osmus that I don't think people have talked about is, for the last, I mean, I'm serious. It seemed like the last 10 years, every year we talk about – When's Mike Sosha going to be gone? When's he going to be fired? There's no. There, I'm not hearing that stuff now. I'm hearing about a really quiet. I'm hearing a lot about a quiet clubhouse. I'm hearing no rumors. I'm not hearing anything. I know there's some people who don't like Osmus or whatever, but we don't have to worry about the whole manager thing right now. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, you've been covering this team since 2013. I'm not sure what you had. You know, what you heard over the years when, when Sosha was managing. He's still one of the best in my view. But, I mean, is it calmer there? What's the feeling in the clubhouse with him? Uh, I think the players probably are enjoying the uh, atmosphere a little bit more with Osmus. Uh, it's a little more relaxed. They don't have to get to the ballpark quite as early. They have music even after they lose sometimes. Uh, you know, it's just the, the mood is probably 5% more relaxed. You know, still, it's not a huge difference, but just little things here and there. Uh and I think they all like Brad, so you know. I, and I think they like Sosha too. So I don't really think that, from the players' perspective, it mattered either way. I think it was just more a matter of uh, of Billy Epler, you know, wanted to hire his own guy. He inherited Mike Sosha. Sosha's contract was up, so he probably wanted to, to hire a guy that he agreed with on more things. 
So, Jeff, thanks so much for joining the show. I really appreciate you taking the time again on your day off. And, you know, hey, can you let people know where they can find you, both on across the country, uh, where they can find your work both online and on social media? Uh, my Twitter is Jeff Fletcher OCR. And if you just follow that, that will pretty much uh, lead you to every story uh, that I write. Or you can just go to ocregister.com and uh, click through the sports page to the Angels. Well, Jeff, thanks again so much for taking time with us, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, John. I think we've done enough damage tonight. <laughs> Any That's final it. thoughts for us? No. No, that's that. I'm just, I'm just excited about these interviews. This Jeff Fletcher, um, been reading him for years, um, and very familiar, and, and now getting to familiar with Maria Torres over at the LA Times. Even though I live in LA County, I consider we kind of almost consider ourselves an Orange County folk. So, yeah, and we have Tim Brown from Yahoo Sports. Yahoo Sports, Yahoo. Yep, and he and he has covered the Angels in the past as well. He covered the Angels for a long time. Wrote the book on Jim Abbott. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. So, I mean, we're cooking. We're cooking. So, share share the podcast. All right, folks. It is time for us to hit the bricks. Again, we're on iTunes, Spotify, all those places. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find John at Crane 67 Also, Talking Halos, the Twitter. So, again, at Talking Halos. So, for the entire team here, including John, have a great one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in a make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.